Hello and welcome to the Emotive Pixels Podcast Season 2, Episode 6. I'm your host, Paulie Kroll, and joining me today is Nate Stevens. Hello. And Craig Schumann. Howdy. Today we're here to consider the truth, ruminate on the implications, soak in the facts, steep the leaves of veracity, and examine the grains of legitimacy. That's right, in this episode we are discussing Paradise Killer, the eccentric open-world mystery investigation and adventure game released in 2020. Wow, that was an intro. All right. <laughs> you did great. Did you write that all yourself? No, the game wrote that. That's what the okay, judge great. says at the end. Nate's not going to remember any of this game. Just fair warning, <laughs> folks. This game is all vibes. <laughs> <laughs> all vibes. All right. So before we get started, if you're familiar with our podcast at all, we like to start things off with a little icebreaker question. And as we'll discuss later in this episode, Paradise Killer has many characters with distinct, intriguing, and strange names. So my question to you folks is what is a fun or interesting name you gave something that you created, something you own, or something that you have in your life? And I don't know if you uh, saw this question, so I suppose I can go first to give you a little bit of time to think about it. Um, can it also be a name for ourselves? That's so arrogant. As as is it arrogant or is it humble? As long as it's fun, I suppose. Um, well, I mean, if you didn't give it to yourself also. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that that's within, I'll, I'll, I'll allow it, but All right. do you, do you, do you want to just go for it? No, no, no. We, <laughs> now we got to leave that in suspense. I was thinking uh -huh. about this and the, like, cause I thought that the names were cool in this and there was multiple things I could go with, like my musical project and, and the name for that of towards one setting sun or the, the music podcast we do broken dial radio but neither of those were as fun as the names in this so i decided to go with the name of the first computer i built which is the computer i still have because graphics cards aren't available but right. so what i did is combined all the parts to come up with a name and the name <laughs> of my computer is green Grafantum giga devil's vengeful fury <laughs> Yes, that's right. Green uh, Griffantum, Giga Devils, Vengeful Fury. You know it's because, a good name when the owner of it can't say it right. Because oh, man. I have a Griffin motherboard from Asus, Fantex case, a Gigabyte graphics card, a Devil's Canyon CPU, Vengeance RAM, and a Fury PSU. So that's, that's all that's the parts. That's great. Yeah. And I thought that was right in line with the naming conventions of, of characters I, in this game. I think you're right. <laughs> yeah, that, I, I can't even stand anywhere near toe-to-toe -to -toe with that. <laughs> I give names to most of my friends, and my favorite of those is Hungry Caroline. So our friendship began whenever she would whine at work about how hungry she is, and then we'd walk to the grocery store nearby. But I really like naming my car Cookie Jarvis after the old Cookie Crisp mascot. It's very who's good. like a wizard whose only power is to fill up the cookie jar with cookies. That is very it's good. It's just a fun name, but it 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 lacks the um the Jenny Sequa the the like vaporwave bungee naming of this game. That's for sure. Also, I love the fact that you call you everybody's name is usually sweet, and then the name, but the one person yep. you don't say sweet, and then the name is Sweet Caroline, which is the song. And that's yeah. very, that it's very intentional. I like to avoid cliche when possible. <laughs> I know she appreciates it at least. Yeah. All right, Craig, drop it. What is it? 
it's funny that you brought that up because car name was the other thing that came to my mind. And right. So naming my car, which is a, an orange Jeep Wrangler and it's named orange crush, but it's also because it's a, another separate meeting for being Colorado and orange crush being like the eighties defense of the Denver Broncos. So there's like a couple different layers to it for being a car from Colorado, but it has absolutely no competition whatsoever from, um, or at least no contest in the competition with any of the names that are portrayed in Paradise Killer. Yeah, but I don't know. It does have quite a aesthetic feel of, of envisioning you riding around on a hot Denver day with the top off on your Jeep and listen to REM's Orange Crush blasting. Just, that's quite an image. I didn't even know the Broncos were in Denver in the 80s. I thought they moved there in the 90s. They did not, but the Colorado Rockies were formed in 1993, and the Avalanche moved to the uh, to Colorado in, I think, 2001. Don't forget the storm. There's the storm. Oh, there was also the, oh, God, I forgot the, how could I forget? The Arena Football League. They were the Colorado oh, yes. Crush. How yeah. dare you forget? Yeah. How dare I forget? Colorado I had season tickets to them, too. It all comes around. See that? I love that. It does. Did we have a lingerie football team? Not to my knowledge. Okay, great. What What is your nickname, Craig? Uh, my nickname is Fuzzy Banks. And I have my brother to thank for that one uh, back from when we were we young lads. That's pretty good. See, I think it is pretty good. Fuzzy Banks is kind of a name that you could see in Paradise Killer. I, I agree. feel like you could run up to somebody, either a drink or a person, and it would be Fuzzy Banks. <laughs> <laughs> i'd actually i totally can see that it was uh it was given to me because i shaved my head and accidentally left the guard off and instead just pretty much shaved it so i was just completely fuzzy and then banks came from a rapper named lloyd banks because his eyes were always like half closed my eyes are also have that sort of effect so fuzzy banks hmm. it's pretty oh. good I liked that better before I knew the story behind it. I'm just going to forget that. <laughs> can we can we go ahead and edit the story out entirely? Yeah, we'll just leave that they, one on the side. They are two sort of negative framing incidents, aren't they? It's not like a like a glorifying name of Craig's greatest virtuous moment. No, it most certainly is not. Yeah, it doesn't even make your brother's naming like seem very creative. It's just, what are you like a fuzzy banks? <laughs> uh, but no, of course we'll leave it in. So, Paradise Killer, everybody. Um, this is a kind of uh, difficult game to cover when it comes to what we normally do, giving a plot synopsis, because so much of this game is finding out what happened. So I think what we can do is kind of give what the uh, a brief, um, I'm not going to go through everything, but just a brief overview of what happens kind of before the game starts, how this is set up, and you do have some text um, through the game that's given to you, but going to try to give you a gist of this, but there's a lot of history here because it predates back before anybody knows, I believe. Um, there's no real way of knowing what year this game takes place in as far as I know. Right. But we, we can assume it's today, I suppose. But either way, how we ended up here in the, at the intro to Paradise Killer is at some point, in prehistory, the gods came to Earth and gifted man technology before war broke out, of course. And the gods were betrayed and 
uh, killed, imprisoned, and driven off of the earth. So these gods that came to earth were aliens in the sense of the word. Um, the syndicate was formed by worshipers of the gods and the imprisoned god Silent Goat learned of the syndicate and physically, or sorry, psychically gifts them his power. So pretty much the syndicate used the power that they got from this alien god to create the Paradise Island sequences, which is a pocket reality place where they live. They kidnap humans and turn them into slaves. And their end goal is to rebirth the gods, but it's kind of questionable about which gods they want to rebirth because some of the gods seem pretty mean. We'll get to that later on. Pretty much these island sequences go on. They're trying to create this perfect island where they can rebirth the gods. And around Paradise, or in sequence 13, the main character, Lady Love, dies, is seduced by the goddamned Harmony, and she's exiled to the Idol Lands, which is pretty much just a podium that's really high in the sky and she has nothing to do. <laughs> Um, doesn't seem very exciting at all. No, pretty much. She's up there for 3 million days. If I remember correctly, while this is all going on, they go through more and more sequences. They get to sequence 24, which is the current sequence. And during that sequence, there is a demonic corruption incident where a human Henry division illegally communicates with gods and is possessed by a demon of unknown origin. He murders his mother and pretty much brings demonic corruption to the island. That brings us to current day, where just yesterday, preparations for Perfect 25, the 25th sequence of Paradise Island, have been completed. The Syndicate Council retire to the penthouse to meditate and birth the next island, at which point they are murdered. Pretty much, Henry escapes from his jail cell, Council's murdered. Henry's found outside the council building and covered in blood. He also has blood in his stomach from the council members and a bloody knife on him. He goes to jail. The judge, a character that is physically tied to the island at all points, decides that it's time to take Lady Love Dies, your character, out of isolation, out of exile, and your game begins. Your job is to investigate the murders, find out who done it, see if it was Henry, and if you are able to come up with a, um, I don't know what the word is. If you're able to investigate properly, I suppose, then you can actually have your position reinstated on the 25th sequence. Did I miss anything, fellas? Is that about it for the intro? I think that was phenomenal. Yeah, that's, that is a, a great summation. It is hard to, it's easy to read yeah. off this little thing I have here, but it is hard to put together when you start this game off. Cause let me tell you, they throw some stuff at you fast and quick and you kind of have, it takes a while to get your bearings as to not only where you are in this world, but what this world is. There is no onboarding experience. There is, you are now in the world and you are inhabiting it. And that is what it will be up to you to figure it out. Yeah, I do like that a lot of the, like, God's lore is kind of just dumped at the beginning and then it gets out of your way and it's like, enjoy the world. Also, we can figure out probably how long it's been since these things started, given that uh, Love Dice was exiled at the end of, uh, was it eight? No. If it's been three million days and they're on the 24th now, we can back calculate. 
approximately how long each one takes. I'm definitely not doing that. Well, I think they all take the, the sequences take different times. Yeah, because the corruption always happens at different times. Right, but we have enough that's like over 15 of them or so, right? That's we can make an average. 8,000 years? 8,219? So, oh, the, which is curious because a lot of the people were born in AD like 1,000, right? So maybe that suggests we're like 6,000 years in the future. Also, I'm kind of curious if she was actually in there. It would be quite a coincidence for the, her to be in there exactly 3 million days. You know, I feel like yeah, there's a right. bit of a, like, she's been in there for, you know, 3 million days. Like, she's been in there for 5 billion days. Come on down, Lady Love Dies. Welcome to the game show. Give or take 8 or 10 years, it's about 3, 3 million days, you know? Right. <laughs> Without the single opportunity to go to the bathroom. <laughs> yeah, you do find that in conversation <laughs> in the game. Oh, my God. But um, we were talking about the intro there, and yes, they do throw you in it, but that's not to say that the in the intro doesn't, it's not striking and that doesn't come with a certain amount of pizzazz. I absolutely love your entrance to Paradise Island, where you just pretty much jump off the platform and you're falling. soundtracks, yeah. The music kicks in. What an intro they have there. Um, after being completely bewildered by the beginning with Shinji, one of the demon characters coming up to you and talking to you a little bit um but that drop into the city you just get to see the whole city coming towards you um pretty great yeah super good any other thoughts on the intro there were you guys grabbed right out the gate by the game i was intrigued i was gonna say i guess yeah i mean i was definitely curious about what the specific vibe of this world was right off the gate like it definitely has a look sound that i mean it exists within the kind of the vaporwave continuum but also is um is its own yeah i don't know if i was grabbed either intrigued is a good word for it um confused um this game is very different than most other games that i've played and i feel like my brain was trying to grasp at straws as to what exactly is going on here what are they trying to tell me and what do they want me to do um trying to figure out if this was a visual novel if this was a walking simulator what was going on here exactly it took me a little while to really get into my groove of this game but as far as the intro goes it was definitely striking it was definitely intriguing but i don't know if it was like i'm going to love this game right from the jump literally yeah that makes sense I felt excited by the opening, but I didn't. It, I can never tell if a game will actually keep me to completion or not, you know? So yeah. as the ties started coming together, and I think specifically for me, the way that, um, oh, geez, I'm blanking on the computer, Starlight, the way Starlight like connected all the leads, I think was what really was like, I don't have to have a perfect memory. This is all pretty well presented. And I really, I think that was important to when I started to become really invested. Eventually, I got to that point, and that ties into the murder mystery as well. Like, I think the first thing that interested me in the game was like, I want, I, I'm, I'm intrigued by the murder as well, by the mystery of it all, and I do want to find out what's going on here. But it took me quite a while to realize how to effectively use Starlight because I feel like right from the beginning, there's just so many notes so many like little pieces of information in starlight i was kind of like 
I'll just look at that later. There's all these exclamation points. I don't want to find them all right now. Yeah. Eventually, probably like halfway through the game, I was like, oh, I can like go in here and like actually, now that I understand who the characters are and these aren't just names that don't make any sense to me, I can actually start connecting some of those dots. So I did appreciate Starlight, but it took me quite a while. I was through the first half of this game, I was trying to connect those dots in my head for sure. I'm I'm with you. I was, I think, and... I have very limited experience with playing these styles of games, I guess, at, for lack of a better term, at least kind of the murder mystery games. I haven't played like Danganronpa or some of the other kind of games that I think probably exist within the genre. So I was trying to figure out like, is there going to be a clear end point or like, is there a clear conclusion of when I'm ready to move on to the next thing? Or is it purely you get all the information and then at some point you need to make that determination for yourself. So I think I spent a lot of time early on, somewhere you probably have like just trying to like figure it out and talk to everyone and try and build those links together in my head. And then I was like, oh, there's more or less a guide that will help point you in the right direction that you're carrying around with you the entire time. Yes. I, um, I love that it, it seems to strike an in-between between like there is one clear answer and you're going to find it. And um, a totally open-ended thing where you're just going and guessing. Uh, and I, I kind of like that. You get enough information to have your, your own idea, and then you kind of find out in the end, like, maybe you got it perfect or maybe you got close. I think that's cool. Yeah. Um, a bit to say about that, though. I, I did like that right from, right from the beginning, Judge tells you that when you're ready to go to trial, whenever you're ready to go to trial, you can. And... It's brave of the developers to do that, knowing that 95% of people who play this game are going to want to find out all these facts. They're not going to be like, oh, yeah, I played two hours and I have one clue. I think I'm ready to go, <laughs> you know? Yeah. But um, I want 100% of the clues. What, what was kind of, I don't know if it was off-putting to me, but it was kind of like not what I expected. When I started talking to people, when I first started talking to people, I was trying to be like careful about what I said and what I didn't say. Mm -hmm. And as I went throughout this game, it seemed like there wasn't really anything I couldn't say to people. It seemed like you could just go through every single text option with every single person and then make sure you do that extra bit. Hey, you want to hang out? And eventually you'll get some more information. It didn't seem like the kind of game where it was like choice matters or anything like that. It was more like, ingest this text but i'm there was yeah, a lot of that what you're talking about nate in the exploration of the world there was things that you could definitely miss by not exploring but i don't feel like everybody was marked in the game you could walk up to them i feel like you could go through every text option some people could get mad about stuff but i didn't feel like it really hindered it but i could be wrong I'm, i suppose no i think you're totally right i never know how i feel about that like i feel like in dialogue trees my gaming completionist side comes out it's much yep. easier and lower brain effort to just know you can go through all of them. And then in ones where you don't go through all of them, then there's always the question of like, well, am I still missing something? Like, you know, it's just kind of a little, it requires a little more trust, I think. I don't think it's necessarily a bad choice because how it would have turned into much more of a, a save game save scum yeah. type experience if it was like, oh, I said the wrong thing to Yuri this time. I'm going to go back and, and trick yeah. him. Totally. Um, especially with how long the game ended up being for me, at least. Yeah. I don't think it was a bad choice. It was just not, I was expecting it to be more of that kind of thing, I guess. I totally. was I'm surprised. I, you, 
Yeah, I had the same expectation and then it started to realize like, oh, I just need to click through literally everything and just read through it as quickly as possible and continue on through the next activity. I think it kind of, that the decision to do that, I think ties in with the decision not to have autosave and also this decision not to have quick travel. Well, they had relatively quick travel, but like I didn't it use that until something. the very end of the game. Did you guys unlock that early? Is that because it's tied to a currency? Yeah, I think that, and I really liked having to walk everywhere because there was so many things in the world to discover that I never found myself like moving through areas without finding something new on the way, which I really loved. Yeah, that might be a question around like what did you value in the collectibles that you could pick up because there's hundreds, if not thousands, of little things that you would find around the world. And yeah, to your point, I ended up using quick travel probably on the back half of the game because I was like, I'm kind of good on picking up the collectibles, so I'd rather continue with the story and get to the characters more efficiently than just travel back and cross. Interesting. I um, I was, I guess probably like a third of the way in the game, I started using quick travel or fast travel, but not exclusively. Um, yeah. It, it took me a while to kind of get the lay of the land in this, and I found myself, yeah. I would want to go talk to somebody i had like a, a bit that i wanted cleared up but on the way there i would find 47 things <laughs> and it's like yeah. these are all good and now i have all this other stuff to do but i kind of wanted because now i don't even remember what i wanted to talk to somebody about and i have to go to starlight right. and figure it out so i liked the fact that fast travel was there from the beginning currency never really was a problem for me because it's everywhere literally yeah. everywhere I did kind of like that there was something to stop you from just doing everything. So I didn't, it didn't bother me if the currency was there or anything like that. And it was kind of, boy, the, um, the instant gratification of hearing Starlight say, what is it? Blood crystal obtained or, or whatever. Yeah. Blood crystal obtained. Boy, that, that yes. felt good every single time. Yeah. Um, and that little splash screen and everything like that. So. I think exploring was fun, but also like the fact that that fast travel was there and relatively easy. I mean, you could hear all the little phones ringing. It was, yeah. the map was kind of tough. The map was a little tough to understand. The map, map was a little tough. I did keep wondering, like whenever I heard the phone ringing, I was like, is there something else here? Am I missing something? Or, and then I was like, oh, it's just the phone ringing again. But yeah. every time I heard it, I felt like I always thought there was something else that I needed to be exploring. Kind of from a gameplay perspective, did you find the unlockable to so you can meditate? So, um, yeah, that's the first the first power up I got. So, if power ups in this game are oh, found yeah. at foot baths, and I think I like went up to the foot bath and it was like, oh, that's going to be five coins or whatever it was, and I was like, mm -hmm. huh? And I like walked away from it, and then I was like. No, I'm just going to do it because I don't know what it is. <laughs> and I'm happy I did because that was the first one I got was meditate. And you could see every every collectible to an annoying level all has the same heart symbol <laughs> over it. So you could just see the whole world across the entire map just plastered with these little hearts. But yes, I did find that. And I didn't use it as much as I thought I would, honestly. I found it super late in the game. And similar to you, I went to the footbath and then bypassed it. And I was like, oh, I'm not spending 
my crystals there. I don't know what my crystals do yet because you run into one very early in the game. And then I forgot that they kind of even existed until probably, I don't know, at least six or seven hours in. And then went back and was like, oh, what does this do? And then I was like, oh, and now I have double jump. That's great. That's super useful to have. Um, it might have even been 10 hours in. Like it was very, it was almost late game. And then I found the other one and unlocked the meditation. And then I was like, oh, I thought I had found a lot of stuff on this island. And I haven't found anything in comparison to all of the little hearts that are showing up through every bit of the world that I'm looking into. So were the unlockable abilities gated to specific footpaths? Because when I was playing again this time, I got the meditation one, and I swear I didn't have that the first time, but I definitely had double jump from pretty early on. I believe on. they are in specific ones because okay. I did look at a walkthrough afterwards just to see, like, is there something I missed or something here? And it was like, go to this specific footpath to unlock double jump. Oh, that's great. Okay. I got meditation probably three or four hours in that was the first one okay. i did not find as easy as it was how however many times i walked right by it i did not find double jump until till probably 15 hours into the game like incredible I was at the i was at the end almost and just walked by it a bunch of times i never found the dash ability the the other footpath i think that's the last one Oh, wow. Available. Okay. But I'll uh, say. That one's very good. Before I knew double jump existed, because I didn't know that double jump or da dash existed until after finishing the game and listening to podcasts and everything, I got around in that world. I did not understand some of the things that I would be able to get on top of and, like, get to this point and float <laughs> down and get to this other point and hop yeah. up on top of the uh, the sarcophagus there and everything like that. I really enjoyed that part of it, just the platforming, I guess. It felt yeah. like I was breaking the world intentionally. Yeah. It felt it felt good, the things that you didn't think you could get up and you could kind of thing. I thought it was amazing that when I got the double jump, it didn't feel like, oh, now I can get to more stuff. It was very much like, oh, that makes this easier. Yes. That's Which a great way to put it, Nate. Like I was having a fun time already. So that that was really cool. It didn't feel like it was a gate as much as it was like a bonus. So talking a lot about exploring the island, do we want to talk about our thoughts on the island, both thematically and feel or uh, game design-wise or anything like that? Well, we've somehow come this far without really talking about its vaporwave aesthetic that much. Do we want to start there? Let's start there. Sure. Uh, the whole thing is kind of um, FM synthesis, pastel colors, uh, digital distortion, all the hallmarks of kind of vaporwave, but not as abusive as I think that normally shows up as. This is not like a broken reality. This is more of a, um, gosh, I don't know. What are the vaporwave games? It's not like a verlet swing. Do we want to just play, throw down some vaporwave game names? I think you... You got it, Nate. <laughs> okay, great. Um, I don't know. Like, I, I, I definitely see Vaporwave here, but Vaporwave doesn't, like, yeah. hit me over the head with this game. Like, oh, it's man. definitely right. got Vaporwave aesthetic, but it's not... It's not relying on that, I don't feel like. No, I, I don't I feel either, like they're just really using like. it as an inspiration for some of yeah. the world, but there's a lot more going on as well. Yeah. 
It feels like it's operating in a world in which vaporwave is an aesthetic, but not the only one you can use in a given piece of media, you know? Yeah. It's almost like the, um, what's the drive called? The reality folding drive is like yeah. emitting vaporwave energy and they're just living with it. Oh, that's, hmm, that's pretty interesting. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, and I feel like the soundtrack as well is as jazz as it is vaporwave, you know? So are we going to jump all the way to the soundtrack, Nate? No, we got to save that for later. I guess that's its own thing, huh? Well, that's why I was surprised you're bringing up vaporwave already. Um, all right, I apologize. I have a lot to say about the soundtrack to this game for sure, but I feel like we should we should dig into the game a bit more first. I think one thing that we can say about Vaporwave is that its whole Vaporwave as an art form is all about, like, uncertainty, which ties in pretty well with the theme of, you know, you don't know who killed who. Um, in the, uh, we should probably not go to, like, grad school postmodernism 101, but, like, as an art movement, it's hey, very un... It, well, okay, so it's, like, unclear how much of anything is serious. Is it ironic? Is it serious? Is it... Is it, is Vaporwave like critique of capitalism or is it like fully immersed in capitalism? It's all built on like sound samples of 1980s malls and corporate logos. Like, is that because we're making fun of it? Is that because we really like it and we're nostalgic for it? Do we believe in the good of the internet or do we believe in like the, like the corporateness that it's destined to end up becoming? I think like if that art movement is all about or takes for granted how we don't know like the seriousness of things and we don't understand their uh exactly what the artist's intent is it's a good choice to lean on even a little bit because this game is you know a mystery it's a mystery wow. with characters yeah i was like, that that is shockingly resonant to i guess it shouldn't be shocking at all actually but it is resonant to the world and the characters and are they are they jokes are they caricatures are they actual characters like what what do they exist on within this world and what do they represent to the island and i guess to your point right like it's an island based on the past and moving into the future as well yes i i like is 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 the fact that the characters are two-dimensional a commentary on the characters themselves or is that just like literally just a constraint <laughs> of the budget and it, we're supposed to like project onto that uh, you know things like that are I think that yeah. is, after listening to the developers quite a bit, that's absolutely a constraint of the, of the budget, but also they could get away with it because of the art style of the game. Like, it works very well in this game, and yeah. there's many games where that wouldn't work so well. But the thing about the whole Vaporwave aesthetic of this game, I don't feel like it ties into the story of this game very much at all. It's the paintbrush that they used for it, but the characters don't feel like they invoke that vaporwave feel at all. And I don't know. I never took it quite as seriously as you are, I guess. I was just more thinking of it as uh, just like a very ironic kind of uh, thought experiment and, and kind of a meme. You know, yeah, but, but well, so that makes yes. me think it's even more like I, I agree, but but that, yeah, that that doesn't, yeah, I don't think anyone thinks vaporwave is actually a serious art form. It's as ironic as it is serious, and it's like cultural commentators and critical theory people who 
then kind of like derive the meaning from it. Like I absolutely don't, well, I guess I don't know, but I don't think Kaizen Gameworks were thinking about those things, but just in like doing it, they've kind of like reinforced that thing, you know? Yes. Yeah. It's so yeah, I, I don't think it's to be taken too seriously, but it's kind of interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, and I guess hopping onto that, right? Like the characters never feel like they're to be taken too seriously either. Right. Like even, and to that, right. You have the art style of the actual characters, right? Paul, like you mentioned 2d, 3d, even shy up as a 2d character in the world, but like the characters are also like overextending themselves into certain directions as far as like how either flamboyant they are or like how they're represented as far as like, you know, they're bigger than life. And I guess, you know, they're working with the gods, right? So, um, so they would be kind of a larger than life character, but all of that feels resonant to the postmodern way of thinking. Well, that's the thing, like multiple things you just said, Craig, they, they're not taken too seriously. They're very like casual and the conversations you have, uh, just chill, range from chill to smug and things like that, like regular human conversations, but they're the worst. They're the absolute fucking worst people <laughs> that ever existed. They, they literally These like monsters enslave thousands and thousands of people in the name of just resurrecting these gods that are all about death and blood and, and gore and grotesquities. Like that's, that's the thing. Like there's a lot of evil going on, but it's just like, oh, well, we're just hanging out and having a good time. You know, it's like, don't worry about that. There's so much chill in this game. It kind of makes you forget all about that, which does mirror what Nate's talking about as well. But, um, right. As for the characters, I did, I did listen to some interviews and some of the things that the creators said was like, they, they were very interested in creating a game that they could do something different than what they've been able to do with games in the past. Like having not super skinny, uh, super, uh, every other female lead in the game, having uh, every male character, one of the things they said, having every male character in the game be shirtless, um, <laughs> like just, just stuff like Is that. that. Like they wanted to create like, um, whatever they wanted to for the characters and not worry about what is acceptable or what is the homogenized game industry, game characters and things like that. Wait, wait yeah. Witness has a shirt on. Right. That's what they said. I mean, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I, that's great. How do you know how witness identifies Nate? Right. Well, <laughs> I didn't say anything about gender. <laughs> oh, I see. Yes, you're right. I did. Got it. But, uh, I think it's really interesting. They did want to, uh, every time open, people bring up the, wow. um, characters though, they I'm did want to shout out that their character artist, um, Koran Gigalithic Gregory was um, uh, the person who, who not, I want to say designed the characters, but did all the art for the characters and everything. I got to up my naming game until I get to Gigalithic Gregory for my friends. That's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I'm curious to explore a little bit of the themes of the world and how they either share or are resonant to like our current era, right? Like the artist making this created it within the world that we live in. Mm -hmm. And it's a game about 
creating the perfect society. It's about a small amount of elites using the, you know, power and, um, labor of non-elites and that they literally sacrifice and murder all of them at the end of it. So you have a bit of slave labor, you have someone working towards a perfect society and choosing who's worthy and unworthy of continuing on as well as like, what does that mean for the sin that gets washed away by any of the people that are in charge versus everyone else and also demonology. So I want to just say right off the top, this game came out in September of 2020, a year of a notable pandemic and the year of time loop games and the year that parrot i'm oh yes did you know paradise killer came out the year that paradise killer came out pretty amazing <laughs> uh i the think year the year of time loop games is 2021 but and well, also is this a time early. loop game this is not a time loop game this is it's not a time, time loop, loop game. game but it's a time loop world how i guess it's you're right it's not but the, them trying to do the same thing over and over is certainly time loop adjacent um i don't That's know fair. They they seem like okay. You're the right. Fact it's that not, they, it's linear time. Yeah, it's linear, it's linear time, time, and they time, remember their them. mistakes and try to try to make worse mistakes every time. Well, I just, I mean, yeah, you're right. It does. They, there's no way to talk about this without spoiling, but I will just say that everyone should play the Forgotten City, which explores very similar questions from a very different angle and has things that are very similar. Yeah, but I. I, I do like, like, the way you said it. Out. I know it's not the way it was intended, Craig, but the way you said it made it sound like it's a game about all these negative things. But I almost feel like it's a game about the argument to those things because they do raise so many philosophical points about that it, with that framework. Like, they would never have been able to get those those one-off topics from a demon with both of his middle fingers raised raised in the air every time you ever see him about how <laughs> how much bullshit this um religious sect that is just sacrificing people to to raise their dead gods is it makes it so impactful um where at the same time like they acknowledge the fact that the people who are committing these atrocities don't see it that way they're just like well we're just trying to do the right thing yeah we're just it, trying to create as heinous as that world. is right yeah whatever I, the cost i think a lot of that is is part of the theme of the game like their obsession with perfection whereas that's not even supposed to be what they're doing like the witness character brings that up multiple times like what is why are we trying to make a perfect island when what we're supposed to be doing is rebirthing these gods and like right. part of the answer is to, to that is, well, their, their purpose is to rebirth the gods because they got power from the gods, but a lot of the gods kind of want to just kill them and fuck everything up. So they can't birth those gods yet, but they'll get to those eventually. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's just so many interesting conversations about that throughout this game. It's, it's a very grim topic, but it's presented in such a fun, jazzy way that it, it <laughs> really creates an interesting thought experiment. And also it feels like it's just them saying like, yeah, this is how society is built and this is how it works, right? Like it doesn't, 
it leaves you to explore what that gray area means. And it's not like, hey, we're going to talk explicitly and be like, what does slave labor mean to this world, right? It's just like, no, this is just how the world exists, right? And you can start to color in some of those spaces with like the witness bringing up like, hey, I don't really think what we're doing or what we're doing here is serving the ultimate goal. Or you have other characters that are like, you know, we'll talk about interacting with the citizens, right? And having some sort of, uh, you know, affection even in some scenarios for them, but. Or sex if it's Dr. Doom Jeffs. Yeah. I yes. mean, he's, he's ready for everyone, <laughs> but yeah, so it almost just kind of colors the world, but it is kind of like, this is just the world, right? Like it, it almost isn't even saying anything explicitly because it's all just implicitly part of the world and the, uh, at least what I think is kind of like the creator's built it within the world and kind of represent at a heightened extent the larger world that they were building it within. I can I can see that takeaway. I took it more of the way they ended up in this world is judge off what Ollie Clark Smith had said about the world and everything. He was trying to like say justify immortality kind of and, and like say like what immortality is like. And mm -hmm. the way they kind of frame that is they have this old, like kind of ancient Sumerian religion, but because in this game world, ancient Sumerian religion never died, they have to just keep that going and say like, what would ancient Sumerianism be now in modern times with all this magical shit going on, if magical shit was real and st stuff like that, which yes, absolutely. There's definitely going to be parallels to the current world that we live in. And I'm sure a lot of that inspiration came from people's lives, the, the creators of the games and everything like that. But I feel like the intent wasn't there to kind of mirror modern day as much as that's what ended up happening. If, if that makes sense, the way I'm explaining it. Yeah. I think that's a really good distinction. Yeah. Whoa. Fun stuff. What a, what an intense, chill-ass game. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> With double jumps and dashing. Right. And Excellent. mild amounts of vaporwave. Mild All right, Nate, let's talk about the music. All right. It's great. So you keep saying vaporwave. I keep leaning on that, yes. And yeah. I don't think this soundtrack is so much vaporwave. I love that. Okay, what do we think it is? Like Jazztronica? So it w I was introduced to a genre that I never knew existed. Um, oh, city pop yeah. is actually okay. we what I think the, it's some Shibuya style, some Shibuya K. That was the, what the game creators came to the, to the music designer with. They wanted to make a city pop inspired soundtrack. Pop. That's that a much better description. I like and, it. And the creator, Barry Ep Epoch or Epoch, depending on where you're from, apparently, yeah. Two different ways to say that. Um, out of Scotland, who's also Dr. Doom Jazz's voice, by the way, if you didn't know that. I did mm -hmm. not know that. He said, like, he's heard a lot of times people saying, like, oh, this is, like, an excellent vaporwave soundtrack. And he's like, well, it, it's it's really cool that you're saying that. And it's flattering. But really, I wasn't trying to make a vaporwave soundtrack. He has one song that he was trying to do vaporwave, um, Lady Blue. I believe is the name of it. Okay. The theme? No, the, the no, theme right. is 
Yeah. Par what's paradise something? Don't remember the name. Uh, of hang on, yeah, hang here on. in paradise. Paradise stay forever. Stay yes. forever. Um, but yeah, the vaporwave thing. It seems like it, it's definitely vaporwave includes a lot of that city pop samples and things like that. But to me, vaporwave is more of melty. It vaporwave yeah. to me sounds Distortion like the cassettes that were left uh, uh, in the back seat of your car and had the sun like bend it a little bit. And now when it yeah. goes around the tape player, it's kind of slowed down. Um, and that's like exactly how that song was made. He was saying like he, he made it at full 128 BPM and then slowed it down and had to redo the samples a bunch of time to get the right sound and things like Wait, that. Wait, which song did you say was Vaporwave? Lady Blue? Yeah. That's funny. That's like my most listened to song in all of my music library. <laughs> so, yeah. Now I know what you're like, keep calling it. Vaporwave. Yeah, I've, I'm over focused on that. But I can, but, yeah. I can definitely see what you're saying because like. I didn't know city pop existed before like getting into this, but I, I now going I'm back to a lot of the things I like, like a huge, um, great Spotify playlist generator parallel to this for me would be Valhalla, the game VA 11 hall a yeah. Cyberpunk bartender action. You I pronounced that very well. Yeah. Yes. Um, that same kind of style where I would say where. This game, Paradise Killer, has that vaporwave edge to it. That game has more of a cyberpunk edge to it. But right. that's what is that? That's like FM. That's like future funk, right? Most of the soundtrack future, for future funk is a lot of a sound of vaporwave as well. Um, yeah. Still going to have some city pop influence, but it was just so remarkable to me. Like, and I actually went back into some playlists and listened to some 80s ass fucking city pop and was like, yeah, <laughs> this is fucking. <laughs> People listened to this and it was unironic. It wasn't like vaporwave, like years and years later, where they're like, oh, let's take these old samples and eventually, like, not to say that there's anything wrong with that or that's a bad music. Like, I, I don't I, think that it's bad to have those influences. I don't but buy for a second that city pop isn't ironic. I don't City I, pop is like made to be shopping music. It's like as consumer as vaporwave. Well, at least the criticism, like the yeah. academic critique of vaporwave is. Yeah, but can you I read know the definition that, that I just saw here? Yeah, let's hear it, Craig. Music built on the 1980s premise of a bright future, naive optimism, and glamorous lifestyles that would never last. So the the other thing that we didn't even get to fact, mention about vaporwave is that it's built on like the aesthetic exotification of Japan. So Vaporwave, at the very least, is directly in conversation with City Pop. I'm not arguing with you. I think you're right. This is more City Pop. But they're very similar. Well, no, Vaporwave is exactly... Vaporwave wouldn't exist without City Pop. I'm not... It's a derivative not, form, right? Yeah. Uh, well, a lot of Vaporwave includes samples from City Pop artists and things like that. But I think there's a difference between, ironically, going back to that. I, I don't think a lot of the... Not all of them, but I don't think a lot of the creators of City Pop were ironically creating that music. Um, no, I and you think just all like, wave creators are? Just like 80s, 80s music in movies, they weren't like, oh, yeah, this is 20 years later, people are going to go back and be like, what the hell was this keyboard solo? Um, <laughs> right. Because that was cutting edge at the time, you know? It was, it was exciting. Um, there's, there's other, other genres of music in this as well. City pop would be like the intro more than anything, but there's, um, new Jack swing. There's a lot of different, 
genres of music that are exemplified here, but they're all tied together with this awesome vibe. Vibe and also theme almost. Like there's a bit of this soundtrack that is propaganda to me. Like I feel like when he was creating this, he also said like, but this music has to be allowed by the syndicate. Because remember, the syndicate mm. doesn't let people make media cook for consumption that isn't related directly to Raising Gods. Like, that right. makes sense. And you do unlock the soundtrack diegetically, right? And they pump it through the yeah. through the city, yeah. too. And I actually have that question for you, because uh, you played this on Switch, correct, Craig? I did, yeah. And I thought I read that in the PC version, you have the directional sound that comes through the speakers as you traverse the city, but... I don't believe that happens in the Switch. Do you have any? Uh, I was trying to recall. I definitely believe, I mean, I don't know if it goes directional, but it's definitely like the volume will increase or decrease based on proximity. To the speakers? Yeah. So uh, yeah. it could be like that in Switch as well. It's just in one of the things I was reading, it said like in the PC version, as you go into an area, um, this sound, this sound can come out, but you can also like add it to your playlist once you collect it and then change your playlist, which is a, a neat right. thing. And that's in the switch I know, but I yeah. thought that they were saying like the directionality of it was tied to the PC, which that wouldn't be surprising, but I guess I mean, that would I'm only make sense in handheld switch, with like, yeah, terrible. Yeah. The terrible built-in speakers. So, oh God, you didn't even play with headphones. Oh, I did play with headphones at some points, so that is that is fair. But I think most of the time that I was playing with headphones was later in the game, and I had already unlocked the music, so. Mm. Yeah. Okay. But that's a, another awesome thing I thought they did was make, because there's already so many collectibles in this game, but make the soundtrack actually a collectible thing. Um, kind of yeah. kind of kept the game fresh because, like, I'll tell you, sometimes I was like, I've heard this song so many fucking times. Uh, not that... Not that it right. was like a bad thing, but I was like ready to get more. And it was like, it was one of the most exciting collectibles to me. Like, yes, I have more music now. Agreed. 100%. It, I, yeah. Can you imagine this game with any weaker of music? Like it really I don't know if I would have finished it, of... to be quite honest. Yeah. Like the music, traversing through the world with the music was almost as much for me enjoying listening to the music as it was anything else right like if it was if that wasn't there and it was based purely on the locomotion of getting through the world i don't think i would have spent nearly as much time uh traveling around on foot can we talk about how barry was is a wedding like band performer and this is his first like soundtrack no i love that that is not true that too that's what i had heard what is tell me more he uh he was in wedding bands before. He was also in metal bands and things like that. He put out a couple soundtracks before this, and he just put out an album before this as well. This is his okay. biggest soundtrack. That's awesome. He did a soundtrack for like a, a Game Boy style game before what? this, I believe. Does Does his other music, did you listen to any of it? Does it also maintain the city pop aesthetic or was that no. specific for this he was excited to do this because of the city pop thing like his his solo album was a synth wave type thing nice okay okay yeah why do synth wave artists always come from scotland it's a great question 
Oh, that's right. He did Thatcher's Tech Bases soundtrack. That's amazing. Which is the Doom remake that's about Thatcher, right? Margaret Explain. Thatcher of oh, okay. the of the the Ronald Reagan of the United Kingdom. Okay. <laughs> Uh, yeah, we're gonna. That would be a whole. Should that be our next game? <laughs> Thatcher's tech base. <laughs> I um, it sounds more fun than Dying Light too. But yeah, there's um, there's a ton of more than us talking about it, interesting topics about this soundtrack. If anything, the the game creators are more excited about us talking about the soundtrack than anything else. They actually on their YouTube, they actually have a creating the music of a section. At Kaizen mm. Gameworks, definitely recommend checking it out because they're just talking to Barry about making the soundtrack, and it's pretty awesome. Yeah, that sounds fucking great. Throw that in the show notes. For sure. Speaking of the creators and their YouTube, um, let's talk about the creators. I'm kind of sad we haven't talked about them as much as everybody else in this game. Um, but uh, yeah, so Kaizen Gameworks created this game. This is their first game. Kaizen Gameworks is made up of Ollie Clark Smith and Phil Crabtree. Um, and I wanted to, because when I asked you guys about this, you didn't know much about them. So I wanted to do a little mini quiz. Wait, 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 wait. Yeah. Even before that, what does Kaizen mean? I don't know. That's uh, not part of the quiz. Oh, yeah. Okay, great. Right. If it's not part of the quiz, then we can talk about it first. It's the like... It's the word for continuous improvement of working practices, personal efficiency, etc. Seems very relevant. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder what Change. came first, the idea for the game or the studio name? Great question. All right, I'm ready for the quiz. All right. All right. Question one. What did Ollie and Phil of Kaizen Gameworks do together before forming the studio? Oh, man. A, they were in a punk band together. B, they worked for a beverage distributor together. C, they served in the armed forces together. Or D, they were both members of an online forum. Definitely going to go with all of the above. Um, oh, is that even an option? I was going to go solidly for B, although the presence of the military base makes me think the uh, armed forces option. What was B? B was the punk? B was the beverage distributor. Uh, yep. I'm going to go with they were in a punk band together. And Nate? I, I B, the beverage distributor. And Craig is correct. They were in a punk band together. That makes the most sense. Years and years before creating games. Excellent. All right. The second and final question in this Kaizen Gameworks mini quiz. <laughs> Which game or games did Ali previously work on? Ooh. A, 50 Cent Blood on the Sand. B, Tomb Raider, <laughs> Angel of Darkness, C, Rogue Warrior, D, various bad Harry Potter games, E, Until Dawn, or F, Man of Medan. Incredible quiz. I'm going to go with 50 Cent. Oh, man. Uh, I'm going to go with various bad Harry Potter games. That and seems more likely. And you both are correct. Every single one of those Ollie worked on. <laughs> Yeah. I yes. love it. Man. Um very interesting stories about that I've heard but um what I found was really cool is he was working on the the thing he was working on last before this was the Man of Medan uh multiplayer yeah. and everything like that and what a change before from Good going grief. from like a horror 
you know, yeah. multiplayer game to this. Uh, I just found that striking. So he's a super massive. Yes, he was oh. prior to this. Um, but obviously he's, he's put in his time at quite a few studios and whatnot. He was actually yeah. a, um, tester for Tomb Raider, Tomb, Tomb Raider, Angel of Darkness. Tomb Ranger. Tomb Ranger. Tomb that Ranger. That sound like a good one. Yeah. Wow. All right. So. I love it. That was a great quiz. Thank you. Yeah. No, I, I, it was, it was an exciting, uh, they're exciting group of people that, I felt like had to, uh, that was the best way to get that information out. Yeah, they were the second favorite developer interview that I watched in Ludo Naricon. Interesting. The what? first being golf. What is something golf, golf paradise? Oh. No. Um, they couldn't both have paradise in it. No, that would be ridiculous. Golf club wasteland. There we go. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Was there anything that you learned about the creators about like why they decided to explore this, why this type of game, like anything that kind of narrowed in on like why Paradise Killer was the thing that they struck out to make? Yes. And I feel like they could talk about it a lot better than I, the, the thing, main <laughs> things I got out of it where they had a lot of ideas, um, at, at one point they were just trying to make a more more straightforward walking simulator exploration game um which wasn't working out for him so well at some point it was a crazy taxi-esque exploration system <laughs> and eventually right. they they discovered that the they found that the best way the mystery the fact that it's a mystery game the fact that it's an yeah. investigation game came because they found that that was the best way to explore the story that they were trying to tell that's what I got oh. out of it. So all the right. story kind of came first. I don't know about all that. No, <laughs> as okay. much as it, yeah. I think that they they came together, you know, they had an idea, but they didn't know exactly what it was until it came out. They knew they wanted to do a game. They had ideas for sure. They've known each other for a very long time. Um, but it's just when they started, they're very... Um, for a brand new studio, they're very um, smart and I don't want to say this in the wrong way, but they're business minded is what I want to say. Like they had a good plan to not make their studio fail where they wanted yeah. to make sure they had good ideas, but at the same time, stay within constraints of their budget. Hence they're yeah. having 2D characters and contracting a lot of the work out and things like that. Um, getting grants, making sure that there was some kind of advertising for it and everything like that, working with fellow traveler. Um, they just had, I feel like they had a really good plan. Um, but there was parts of the game that they were talking about that didn't come along till like very, very late in the process. So I think that makes That's sense. True. I mean, this game feels, I forget what other. There's, I feel like there's been a couple other podcast episodes that I've talked about this, but I love that feeling of a budget perfectly met. Like yeah. this really feels like it was designed around what it is, and I love that. Imagine this. They didn't know they were going to have money for a soundtrack. They didn't. They gave Barry oh. six months to do the soundtrack because they knew him, but they were like, oh, we have money, so now the sound, we're going to pay for the soundtrack now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's fascinating. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, like the same thing it's... with the voice talent where they're like, oh, we can actually have voice acting in the game. And they didn't sort want of. to. Yeah. They didn't want to go overboard with it or anything like that. And they were actually like, I, I forget who it was. But one, of, one of them said like, 
it was like so much work to like work with Virgo, try to find voice actors. And there was so much like managerial stuff where he was like, I just want to work on the game. I don't want to like interview voice actors, and things like right. that. But at the same time, like he's really happy that they did because they got this awesome cast and everything like that. But, um, that makes sense. Tons of interesting articles and, and interviews and things like that. If you, if you look out for it and we'll link a lot of what I found in the show notes. Um, I definitely recommend checking out Kaizen Gameworks and I can't wait for what they're working on next either. Cause me neither. I, I really like hearing these guys talk about games as well as what they come out with. Yeah. I'm definitely going to take you up on some of the references here. It sounds like a fascinating set of guys working on it, but and to Nate's point about the budget being perfectly met, I think that absolutely nails it, especially even from the mechanics of how you move through the world is janky, but works within this function, right? Like it's function and. Yeah. And that, that makes the form. They will talk about that as well, where they were like, well, um, we could jump. <laughs> 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 like, like that kind of thing where it's like, what, what more could you do to, to explore this world and, and everything like that? And they were like, well, would it, would it break the, um, what's the word for it? The immersion if you're able to have a double jump or a dash or anything like that and they're like in this world i don't think it would at all i think that that yeah. that's the world we've created where you absolutely accept a double jump for no apparent yeah. reason right and you can fall from any distance also like those types of things just exactly immortals they can do what path. they want yeah <laughs> totally interesting so speaking of immortals the bush we've been beating around in this game is murder <laughs> Yeah. Yes. The we haven't happened. really been really talked much about the this is a murder mystery investigative game. element. Yeah. So, I wasn't sure if I can kind of go through my version of events with who killed who and why and where and when, or if we have to actually talk about the characters first because we've talked a little bit about the main character, Lady Love dies, and of course. Dr. Doom Jazz has come up, but does anybody have any characters they want to uh, call out or anything like that before we get into who kills who? I think Crimson Acid is really interesting in that she's kind of like the diva and is like positioned by the, as the villain by the, like, it, her her characters, I mean, all the characters are interesting, but hers is kind of, I just was fascinated by it. She's like kind of the outcast living underground too, right? Like yeah. she's like trafficking in the sit in the secrets of the city the outcast and the idol too because she doesn't she doesn't like the attention that she gets um by the way she does have a goat head because she was touched by the gods that is true she didn't always have a goat head but now she does um naming convention for her if i remember correctly he was looking at games on his shelf and he had a copy of crimson skies and a copy Silence? of Metal Gear Acid. Uh, okay. Oh my goodness, that's great! <laughs> yeah, very Crimson good. Skies. I hope that's what it was. I don't know if it was Crimson Skies. It was definitely Crimson something. Um, desert. I do want to bring out the characters that nobody wants to talk about because, geez, were there some characters that just hate you and make you hate them? Um, I loved Akiko fourteen. Okay, is that I who can you were talking see about? that. 
I can see that. Marshall. She hates the hell out of you, and she swears yeah. at you in Romanian every single time you talk yeah. to her. Yeah. Her being Romanian, and I think that's like her character has Romanian like inspired art, I guess, I think. It's yeah, and cool. her character was Romanian. I mean, these right. characters, they're announced the different places in the world they're from because they were right. humans before they joined, joined in with the syndicate because the syndicate isn't like locked. They can somehow choose new members. The, the gods kind of, each syndicate member is born under a god and they kind of are supposed to worship that god, but definitely not any other gods, but also all the gods. It's very right. confusing. I loved how... Yeah, she raised goldfish. I just liked, like, I hated her character, obviously, but it's kind of charming that she comes embarrassed all the time. I don't know. It was just. No, I can, I can definitely see you liking Akiko 14. I wanted to bring up, um, I didn't even think that Akiko 14 was one of the ones that I was oh. referring to. I was talking about Carmelina Silence. Oh, yeah. Okay. And yep. Yuri Knight. Um, yeah. Both of them. Clear from the beginning, they're like, it was Henry who did it. Can you stop investigating and yeah. go back to <laughs> you, go yeah. back to exile, you investigation freak? Yeah, um, you're useless. Yeah. They they very like um unexciting to talk to and just like I I almost cringed every time I was like, Well, I guess I'm gonna see if I could hang out with them so that they'll give me any morsel of this mystery. It's like and I remember specifically sucking up to Yuri when, I don't know if you guys got to this part where he tells you he wrote a book. I feel like I remember that. Yeah, I mean, he, he wrote, stole a book. I, I forget what it was, but like the, the description of it afterwards from like, um, I think it's from Starlight is like a vapid tomb of like, it was so bad. <laughs> It sounded awful, and like I was all like, "Oh yeah, them. that that sounds very intellectual." <laughs> Just trying to suck up to him so hard, because um, I did feel like if you got their influence enough, then then they would get something for you. I don't even know if the decision on what you said mattered at all or not, but at some point I was like, "I just need like two more pieces to fill to check out everything, and then I'm good to go." Because I didn't have <laughs> I didn't have any other leads. It was like all I could do is talk to these people. Um, mm. but yeah, and Carmelina, she has a dog, but I still didn't like her. It was just so like she was appointed the leader and she's all like, well, clearly it was Henry and let's just get on with it. I'm like, trying to tell, I'm like, it's so clearly not Henry. These people aren't even marshals. Like who are these people that were killed? We don't even know who they are. What are you talking about? But yeah, I did think that it was interesting that they had such hateable characters in a game that your only role is to go up and talk to these people. <laughs> right. That's a brave choice. <laughs> right. But still, like, I didn't hate it. Like, I still got no, some yeah. enjoyment out of it. So I, just, I thought that was really interesting. Uh, yeah, I agree. Are we just going to skip over Shenji or Shen? Oh, but Shinji. Tell us about Shinji. Shinji, Shinji, Shinji. What's the what's the character in Danganronpa, the, like, the bear? What's his oh, name? The bear, yeah. Oh, Isn't it uh, Teddy? No, that's uh, Persona. Yeah. Um, this, I was just going to imagine me saying the funniest thing ever, which would be, oh, this game's so and Monokuma. Yeah, mm -hmm. Monokuma. Yeah. There we go. Very funny. Great. Okay, move on. Yeah. Terrific. Yes. Talk, talk about like... Shinji. <laughs> 
a demon that's just popping up and just, you know, talking shit to you constantly. Um, See, giving, I didn't like, take it as talking shit to you so much. Like, he has some deep philosophical shit to say. That is it's also like, true. It's like some of the smartest dialogue in this game, I feel like, comes out of this little shit-eating demon. <laughs> <laughs> uh, You're right, and then he disappears. <laughs> yeah, he just yeah, laughs and he disappears. I've, I felt like some of my favorite dialogue in this game absolutely came from him. Just having this, it was almost like he was like our character because he was the outsider to this world. Yeah. And he's asking questions about this world and investigating this world and, and like criticizing it. Like he brings up to Lydia, or not Lydia, to Lady Love dies. Like, so you guys enslave people and murder them at the end of all these cycles to raise a bunch of murderous gods. And you're the good guys. And like, <laughs> you have a choice in these answers where you can say, I actually don't agree with that. Or you can say like, I don't see how that makes us evil or something like that. Right. And you right, can actually yeah. influence your lady love dies or, or kind yeah, of flesh out of like your, a, your lady love it's dies. Like a, it's like a Kentucky route zero character choice, right? Yes. Yeah. Who is your favorite character? Probably Shinji. Shinji's great. I also liked Henry a lot because he says fuck just all the time. He's just like, <laughs> oh, fuck this. The voice actor. Just so pissed. <laughs> of course. I mean, to be fair, like he's, gonna, he's like framed and just doesn't give a shit. He's like, I'm going to fucking die anyways. Yeah. And for his whole life, for like wrapped up in this fucking conspiracy, just, uh. It, and how long was he in prison? Dead decade? Ten right? years. Ten years just waiting for his death. Mm -hmm. And also having like some terrible speaker blaring at him that's making his internal scream. I feel like we're up to the point of who done it then. Wait, wait, wait. Yeah. Hang on. I like Lady wait, wait. Love Dies. Our character's Lady Love cool. Dies. All right. Like our character's like interesting in how she's understated, but yet also like she has a voice, but she's not the star of the show and i think that like the way that balance is struck is really interesting that's all yeah i, I like yeah, lady love dies too except for any time i think about her role with all this <laughs> tell me more <laughs> like i i i i think lady love dies is a really cool character and i love the it's the main character of it but if i think about the fact that like everything she's doing is to keep this terrible thing going and like in my version of it, at least, she knows this is wrong. But then, like, at the end, she's like, but I'm still going to shoot these fuckers because. Oh, know. you mean how, like, her role is inherently required to keep the island experiment going? Or what do you mean? Yeah, well, keep the island experiment going as well as, like, the fact that she was married to, um, what was his name? Uh, I can't remember her her husband's name or i guess ex-husband after she was exiled but um she she was married he was in charge of murdering the people at the end of every cycle and gathering them as well both of those things uh isaiah bullet so like oh yeah i don't know it's like She's like having a great time and she's cool to talk to. She's a friendly person and she like has like good thoughts, but also like she's involved with this terrible, terrible thing. Everybody in this game really like there's no good characters. Shinji's the the best character in this game. 
because and he's a demon <laughs> he's a demon because the demon is the it's the only one that doesn't constantly hurt everyone in fact him hurting somebody in this game would actually be a good thing it would be like a holy thing interesting yes but that did make like me sam daybreak me too yes. sam he's daybreak very cool his conversations in the bar about making drinks are like yeah. so great. The dialogue in this game is just amazing. It's really good, huh? I I was I, actually surprised there weren't writers previously to this. I think it's interesting to contrast with something like Valhalla, where I liked the writing too, but I just felt weighted down by it at the end. In this, there was a lot of writing, but I never felt like I think it was it felt like the right amount to me. The dialogue and like the characters as well, like Sam Daybreak is like a red skeleton, and the reason he's a skeleton is because like his wife killed him on the battlefield, and he professed his love to her, and like the love kept him alive as a skeleton, which is something dope. like that. Very dope. I I really like the how fuckable Doctor Doom Jazz was. <laughs> like of all the horny characters, he's the best horny character. Speaking of fuckable, um, yeah. who you fuck? Um, I don't remember any, fucking anyone. Nobody fucked did, anybody? All right. So I don't think I, I fucked anyone. Can you, you can fuck, fuck people? Yeah. yeah I, fucked, I fucked both fuckable characters in this game. I Who's fucked, fuckable? Uh, Crimson yeah. Acid and Dr. Doom Jazz. What? That makes All sense. All right. Dr. Doom Jazz makes sense. Crimson Acid, I'm a little surprised by. Crimson Acid huh. makes it very clear like that this isn't going to be like also, a relationship. It's like, this is a one-time thing. It's right before we go to Oh, Perfect I think 25. that did happen. Because, yeah. Isn't there and like a con? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah the yeah. funniest part was it happened one after the other right after each other. It was like Crimson <laughs> Acid, boom. Go. Dr. Doom Jazz, boom. Let's get this done. And then it was trial right after that. Uh, wow. Yeah, which was a little bit of a tense situation, let me tell you. Yeah, this, I think we yeah. found the perfect segue. Let's talk <laughs> yeah. about the trial. Yeah. So, full spoilers now. Well, I mean, we've been spoiling it this whole time, but I don't know if oh, I ever yeah. said that. By the way, if you're listening through to this point, <laughs> we are going spoilers. to spoiler. <laughs> spoilers alert. Yeah. Um, I so, did an hour in. The interesting thing about the spoilers to this game is whatever evidence you get, whatever you prove to happen is is what happened in your game. I don't know. Um, it is very easy. I've found, and I messed around with it very slightly. I, I didn't have a lot of save games to mess around with it, but, um, if you have, it seems like two to three pieces of evidence and it can be very weak evidence. You got them. They're guilty. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. Um, it doesn't oh, seem to really be, need to be a bulletproof case. It's kind of like the judge yeah. is going to be on your side in most situations, unless you're just like, huh. well, he was, he was here, you know, right. <laughs> and even then it seemed like it was pretty close, but so I'm going to come up with what my, um, my detective work discovered. I had right. two main conspiracies as to the crime of the century who killed the council. And there's a lot of crimes involved with that. So it's a little bit to get through, but the main conspiracy I feel like was Carmelina's conspiracy. And she had a conspiracy to kill the council to get a well, her well-earned position in the council during the next iteration. But the thing is, she did such a 
heinous thing to get this, to start this whole conspiracy off. She had a secret child with Ais Kwame, mm -hmm. kept the child in secret, in secret, hid it in an underground bunker and just raised it as an assassin with its only purpose to kill the council for 10, 10 years? No, for longer than that, right? Longer than that, yeah. I don't even know for how many years. I don't know. Even after that, she, she then orchestrates with both Akiko 14 and Yuri to get Henry uh, demonically influenced. Uh, she has Yuri give him a book to get him influenced by demons. Um, he ends up killing his mother, and then they think he's going to kill the exorcist of the island, Grace Bloodlines, but he doesn't end up doing it, so she actually ends up killing Grace Bloodlines. And um, all that for 10 years later, when the island's ready to change over, they can break Henry out of jail with Akiko's help and... Uh, frame him for the murder when it's actually her secret son, Danian Gate. I don't know if I could say his name correctly. Yeah, it was like, I think it was... Dainon Gate. Dainon Gate. Dainon, yeah. She uh, has these portals that she has crafted into the island, and one goes directly from his bunker to just behind where those um, two guards were murdered. But of course, they're not actually the guards that were murdered because Akiko ends up loving one of the guards. She changes them out for prisoners. And so some prisoners are mur murdered by Akiko. Um, Yuri sneaks Dainangate through the second, third, and fourth seal. And yep. he goes to kill the council. So I'll stop there with that conspiracy because this is where things get really convoluted. <laughs> already, this is where witnesses' conspiracy comes in. Yeah. So witness felt that the syndicate had lost their way, as we discussed earlier, with their holy purpose and rebirthing the gods and all that jazz. So he decided that he was going to sneak a demon into the council's meditation room or the council's penthouse. And he was able to do that. He puts him in a demon-proof box of some sort. He <laughs> convinced Lydia and Sam Daybreak to sneak the box into the council building. He convinced Crimson Acid to find the code to the second, uh, to steal the code from the second gate. And uh, I was missing, I missed one thing. He, he stole it from, K she stole it from KHX, but then Yuri killed yeah. KHX to get it as well. So he got stolen from it twice. Um, oh man, that's how, okay. So from both ends there. Um, I never found out exactly how he got killed. Oh KHX. yes. All right. Okay. Um, we can go back. Well, actually we could talk about it now. The way I found out that it was him was he had, did you see the ring in his hand? Yeah, yeah. I so saw did the you find out that I the ring find was... out that that was Yuri's? Yuri's. Oh, and you didn't put like, come on. I, if, I, if somebody's I, killed and they have somebody's ring clenched in their death grip, that's like, that's Detective One Hundred One, Craig. It really is. Jeez, I unfortunately Craig. accused Crimson, and like as soon as I accused Crimson, I was like, I really like Crimson. <laughs> like I don't actually want to accuse, and, and I was like, I I can't go back. I had and so she much had a really evidence, believable though. story too, but it could just because yeah. I had sex with her. 
Um, but she was <laughs> right. like, he was obsessed Possibly. with me. And like, yeah, there was some of my fur there, but it's not like I killed him or nothing. So he was able to sneak it in. And I wasn't exactly able to figure out how he got the box into the room, mainly because he was able to get past the fourth gate. He cut the piece of flesh off of crying judge, the God they have imprisoned in a pyramid, but I don't know how he got the blood. I'm not sure if he got it from Dr. Doom jazz. Did anybody figure out how that could have happened? From which portion, which blood witness, how witness could have got past the blood seal. Cause I know how he got past the second seal. Oh, because it wasn't even with Dino Negate day or whatever and his blood is the blood of a council no, member witness didn't even unless you know something i don't i don't even think witness knew dana negate was alive now i'm trying to interesting well yeah, yeah. i think because because the thing that the the funny part about these two conspiracies are is carmelina and witness used to be together and they both have conspiracies that as yep. far as i can tell neither one of them knew about yeah they i don't think they overlap on the same day to murder the council for completely different reasons <laughs> and the funniest part is both of their alibis are each other they both they're at witnesses apartment witness is able to call his demon proof box to open it up at midnight no problem there he had a pretty good plan call him up demon yep. will do the work for me unfortunately the demon was shot in the head by the leader montserrat but she had a portal from witnesses uh patio where when he was making his phone call she could just go right out here grab dynan nigate or however you say his name <laughs> bring bring him over to I'm yuri sure and, right. and take care of it so it's these, I love the writing of this game where they must have like thought about this so many times and they came together. They're like, yeah, they both are doing it. I wonder when that meeting happened where they're like, no, no, no. They don't even know that they're both doing yeah. it. They're just both doing it. They just both happen to be doing it. What a great, it's not even a red herring. It's just like, uh, no, they both, they both did it. They both tried, you know, right. there's yeah, both these answers can be correct. I think that was pretty awesome. So. That actually kept throwing me off too. My version, my version of it, I did not end up, although I found out that Sam and Lydia were involved with it, I, I also found out they just wanted to escape the island. They're probably the best characters because they're like, fuck this. Yeah. We just want to go like love each other. We don't want to do any of this syndicate shit anymore. Yeah. They, they were like weirdly that. grounded. All yeah, they really like, did we was. just want to go live and die. All they really did was drop off a box. Um as far as I can tell. So like, I didn't end up accusing them. So I ended up accusing Yuri, Carmelina, the dead son of Carmelina, the demon that was also dead and yep. witness. And what was funny to me was at the end of the trial, after you accuse everybody, you end up shooting those people that were found guilty. And the left side of my courtroom Everybody lived the right side to the right of the judge blood yeah. smears going down every po podium. The whole right <laughs> side was just wiped out. Beautiful. I was like, oh, wonder if that was on purpose. I had to have been intentional. But yeah, is that about the same, uh, justification for what happened as you? Cause I don't know if anybody can call that truth so much as that's what I said happened.
Yes. And I was going to say, mine was actually very similar to that. Um, I did accuse Crimson Acid and instantly regretted it. And that was the one point of the game where I was like, should I save scum this? Should I go back? Like, I don't, I'm not stoked on that. And she, and she's the one that as once I accused her, she also is like, she never cops to anything where everyone else like starts selling everyone else out. And I was like, Hey, there's a conspiracy here. Like if I'm going down, you're going down with me. And Crimson's just like, you fucked up. Like I didn't do that. And I was like, Oh, oh man, no. I feel so bad. Yeah. I was like, I know you didn't do that, but I, you had the most evidence in my little selection screen. So I clicked on you. No, yeah. I, I was curious. So I did go back and choose some wrong people. And yeah. so that's how I got to hear that, like Sam and, and, uh, Lydia's version of, of events and whatnot. And, and I did get to hear that, like, boy, that must've been harsh, Craig. <laughs> yeah. Accused, at least. I mean, I, I guess at least you guys didn't get together or whatever, because you would have felt extra bad, but. Yeah, I would have felt real bad about that. But kind um, of, it was, I was surprised when he said anybody found guilty of any crime, the penalty is murder because it's like, dead. wow, everybody did something wrong in this, except for, I couldn't find anything Dr. Doom Jazz did wrong. He's yeah, a lover, not a killer, true. I guess. Like even, yeah, he like had some stuff go wrong around him, right? Like there was like the. The computer went corrupt about some of the information. He had the alibi issue with regards to the back door to his office being able to be accessed. But mm -hmm. um, but that didn't seem to really lead to anything. No, I don't. I didn't see take much away from that. Did I, you find out anything about the Sonic? I found the Sonic gun that was shooting death screams at Henry the whole time, but I didn't find out who put it there or why. That's a great question. I, oh man, I'm I'm gonna misremember. I should. I wish I had a note on that. I thought it was either Yuri or or witness. One of them was doing it to. I feel like it might have been Yuri, but I, I it, it could have been. I didn't find any evidence that Yuri did it, and I accused witness of it, and he was like, "No, I, why? Okay, then because it didn't yeah. tie in with his thing at all." But um. That was one of like the last things I found. And I was really, it really threw me off. Cause I was like, I thought I buttoned up this whole thing. And this just is like, why? Cause <laughs> Akiko's going to bust him out. So why do they need to blast things into his head? Other than just to torture him or whatever. Just to fuck with him. Yeah. Um, I don't, just to make him seem more crazy. Like he did yeah. seem guilty, but like. Yeah, yeah. that does make sense. That was one of the last things I found, which was funny because it's the very first place you go. It, I didn't find it until super late in the game also. I realized that, oh, I've never gone to the Paradise Gates to check Sam and Lydia's alibi. Oh, like the so logs. So I went there and I was like, oh, it has this like blinky light. I'm supposed to turn off the key back at the main island. So I went back across. Yep. Uh, did that and then went back over there. I was like, oh, there's a ladder here. There's a whole island to explore over here. And that's when I found that. I was like, but now I don't have anybody to talk to about it. Like, it was funny. I, I was like, ooh, as soon as I got that, exclamation points pop up over everybody. I go to every single person. like, hey, you know anything about this? And like, Doom Jazz is like, it seems like a psychic scream device. <laughs> that yeah. was it. Everybody else is like, nah. It is. Of, of course. I did appreciate that during the actual trial, Right, and this was one of the places that I was curious about since I, I don't normally play these types of games. Um, 
but having it fill in some of the gaps or like color in some of those areas where you're like, I'm pretty sure this is what happened. But then as they turn on each other and they're like, yeah, this is how that occurred and like gave you, they didn't give you everything. Like you needed to know some of the linking pieces there, but it just kind of coloring in a couple of the extra pieces, I thought, you know, really filled out the story and it was like, okay, I thought these things connected, but now you can see like very directly how they relate to one another. Yeah, I feel like I'm kind of of two minds of it because I feel like it would have been really bad if they didn't ever tell, if nobody admitted, and it's just like, yep, you killed right. all these people. That probably would have been terrible. But at the same time, when you get out of the courtroom, you can execute or exile anybody. And I had to test it out. Did so. you do anything with that? Yeah. No, the I first time I, I didn't, I, I talked, I went and talked to everybody. was like, bye. And I left, but then I was like, well, what is this like? And I was like, all right, I'm going to exile Dr. Doom Jazz. Oh man. What <laughs> a heartless. What a move. Yeah. Once you fuck him, you got to kick him. <laughs> yeah, right. And, and she's just like so harsh. She's like, something's not right. You're going to be exiled. Cause I feel like Whoa. you did something, but I don't know what it is. Whoa. And she goes, <laughs> exile lasts across every single island. <laughs> So enjoy eternity in exile. And then like some, he Whoa. turns gray and chains circle around his two-dimensional character. And you just, that's it. You just walk away from him. It's fucked. That yeah. is dark. Very harsh. But I was kind of like, I wonder, is there anything you can do with that mechanic at the end? Shooting people or exiling people that are like, <laughs> to clear some, like, could a good playthrough be... Say that Henry did it and then shoot Carmelina or something like that, you know? Like, yeah, that would be, yeah, kind of. I guess it would have been interesting if you would have bungled the ending so bad that the conspiracy doesn't come to light and pretty much no one gets killed. And then afterwards, you go and like execute Carmelina or someone. It's like, and if she, if she admitted to something when you did that or something like that, you know, like, right, that I, I, I didn't check it at all, but. That is one of the tragedies of this kind of like game and how well it's written is that by the end, I wasn't really willing to fuck around with the game engine and like figure out all its limits because it was like my story, you know? Yeah. I don't know. Like I tried going back into it. One of the biggest things that turned me off um, to the trials, I really liked the trials when I got into it. I was like, yes, I am ready to go to the trials. I don't have, I don't think I have everything, but I have enough and I've gone around this island four times and i can't find anything other than like stuff i don't care about <laughs> more coins sure. or whatever you know right i wasn't gonna get every collectible in this game i already made up my mind about that yep me yeah you and me both i was like these are interesting but not interesting enough for me to want to go out of my way but the trials although i liked them the first time i went through it when i tried to go back i realized a couple things one it was very just straight up visual novel. Like it was cool. Yeah. It looked cool. Cause they throw these splash screens in between and have these like, um, musical stings and stuff like that. But the other thing I realized is there's no way to pause or pull up starlight or anything like that throughout the trials at all. Yeah. Uh, literally oh, point. Yeah, I no that. way to load, no way to quit the game without alt tabbing and actually just closing the game or anything like that. And that was a bit irritating to me. I thought, um, I feel like 
it's awesome what they did and i don't i'm not this isn't a like you guys messed it up or anything like that to the game creators but i feel like it, it's an amazing feat that they're able to go into this trial at any point in the game no matter what evidence you have and have some kind of ending happen but at the same time like i wanted a bit more to play around with in the trials i guess is what i'm saying yeah as and in just, more mechanics or yeah a little bit more mechanics maybe if it wasn't even just locked to you know if you could still walk around and go up to the different people or something like that i don't know like some kind of it reminded me a little bit of the communication of talking to any characters also like once you went down the path like it was like just click on every item that you have in your like inventory of evidence and then move on right like there wasn't any real choices of like what to present there i think you could choose that you're like good presenting your evidence on someone but i didn't find any reason why i wouldn't just share everything i had collected yeah that's interesting yeah that's it i wonder if there back. is some kind of a mechanic where it's like I'm going to present this, but not this. Yeah, I'd be curious. Because I don't want to like. that happen there. I don't want to use Crimson Acid's testimony for, for whatever reason, because that implicates her or something like that. I wonder if there is like a perfect playthrough. That's, it is interesting also when you bring that up, because some of the things that it kind of gives you like the little blip of like the evidence that you're going to bring up. It doesn't give a lot of clarity around what that piece of evidence is. So, and without Starlight, like, I couldn't remember when I was like, hey, you're going to bring up this piece of evidence. I didn't remember, like, oh, that's the piece that Crimson told me. It was just, that's something I had collected from someone along the way. So I couldn't even be really cautious of, like, ah, I don't want to blow up this person's yeah, no, like, I did, story or I did life. like that as well, too, though, because it was very rewarding where it's like, oh, yeah, I found this out because I did that. And... Boy, if there was anything that was straight up the turning point for this story, the way that the Nagate was hidden in the graveyard, I oh, can see many yeah. people not finding that. And that's amazing to me. Like, that would be crazy if you never, and you have to find your way in there, right? Like, you have to, like, find the item to unlock it. Yeah, you have to, like, I didn't, I, I found the thing first, and I was, it, she says, like, I need something to break this. And then I found those busters, like, I found something to break that. I'm going right back there <laughs> immediately before I forget where it is. Yep. I feel like it's very possible that you could not find that. And I already had, like, a lot of suspicions and things like that. If I never found that, I feel like there's so many avenues that wouldn't open up. And it probably would have been a way, it would have just been the entire witness show. There wouldn't have been any Carmelina evidence, like, barely at all. That's what I told Nate before I had finished up, before I had found that specific piece. And that was one of the places where I was like, is there disposable items in this game? Like, how, like, I haven't really found anything that matches that sort of context as far as, like, a one-use item. But I think right before I had discovered that i had told nate like i think witness did it like i don't i i think maybe carmelina has something to do with it but i don't really have any evidence there and then once you go and find him and then he like straight up admits to killing them and you're like oh okay this is how everything connects and to me it was like the linchpin that like fell in the middle of it all and it was like got it that's the that's how all these things work together yeah and that was a really good moment too like if there was any moment where it was like the twist, you know, the, that murder. The moment lack of a better or, term, yeah. 
that that moment where it was like, oh, this all comes together in a completely different light. It was that moment busting through that. All of a sudden there's portals across and, and such a moment yeah. too, because all of a sudden you can fast travel without actually having to use the fast travel system and stuff like that. Right. right. It opened up like three different pathways pretty much. And it was like such a great moment. Um, I, I, I thought that was really great, but at the same time, there was quite a downslope after that to be like, well, I found all this out now. And now it's like, all right, I feel like I have to, I, I probably could have went right in after that. I don't know. It's probably our fault where we want to do this completion thing instead of like, you know, it's waiting Although for us. The completion thing is, is built into like, you're an investigator, right? Like your job right. is to yeah, find right. all of the information. Like those things tie together like quite cleanly here. Not if you ask Yuri or Carmelina, your job is to convict Henry. Or That's, Akiko 14. I don't know why I keep leaving her out. It's probably because it's Nate's favorite, but. Fair. But I mean, yeah, it was my job. And I'll tell, we both said very clearly that we are not going to find everything else silent because there's too much stuff. Being an investigation freak is hard, I guess is what I'm saying. So do we want to wrap it up, folks? Do we want to say what our thoughts on the game was? Is there any other topics to bring up? I think the one last thing would be the little interstitial scenes that flash to the bar right oh yes like that takes place what the heck are these perfect 25 you know that reminded me i think it reminded me of uh what's your you are even you even brought it up earlier in this podcast nate what's your game my game kentucky route zero yes kentucky route zero <laughs> that reminded me of kentucky route zero <laughs> good the, grief the bar scene with the silhouetted for people. Sure. <laughs> okay. We were not talking about the literal other game we mentioned that was all about being in a bar on this podcast. <laughs> Valhalla. All right. Anyway, moving on. How did it remind you of KRC? Let's hear it. Well, no, they have the whole, the whole scene uh, that can be acted out in play form of the yeah. characters at the bar okay. silhouettes yep, right. talking about things that. I forget which interlude that is. Yeah. Yeah. Three and four, right? I think so. I mean, we can go back to the previous episode, to one of the previous episodes. See our two-hour and 38-minute episode on Kentucky Route Zero for more answers to that <laughs> slight reference. Yeah, but I, I thought that was neat. That was whenever you found a whiskey bottle in the in the world where you went into um, Perfect 25 and they talked about the story from the future after you already know what the end of, after these characters already know what the end of the story was. Um, that's interesting. It is shrouded in mystery as to who the characters are, but the community does believe they figured out who it was. Um, what's the community's hypothesis? So the thought is that it's Isaiah Bullet, which is Lady Love Dies X. Um, okay. because he does in, in the dialogue, they do bring up that he's in charge of the citizens and that was his job, the citizen management and citizen kidnapping and all that. And um, Madam Complex, who was the island's gardener and was in charge of uh, certain rituals on the island, they actually got involved after Lady Love Dies was exiled and uh, Madam Complex's um, lover Gregory died in a sacrifice. So that's what's thought it was. The reason the community is jumping to that, there was a steam post where it was asking who it was and it was it was pretty much split between 
like two people that were saying that it was uh, Sam and Lydia and everybody else saying that it was Isaiah and uh, Complex. And the actual developers went to chat and said, it's not Sam and Lydia. That was like all they said. <laughs> so it was like nope. pretty, pretty clear what they were saying, I felt, but I guess we can't be sure. They haven't confirmed. But I thought that was a nice kind of like, just a nice little interlude and kind of like way to break up the monotony of the game if there was any in this. And provide like such a stark contrast to like the kind of sun-drenched world you were in to be like, here's a really dark scene and, you know, kind of a stoic activity to just listen into a piece of a conversation. It always felt like you were joining a conversation that was midway through and trying to put together, does this have anything to even do with what I'm doing? Like, what, what are they even talking about? Yeah, I didn't really like these scenes in that they were too removed from anything I was aware of. I don't know if they're only for repeat plays, but I kind of never... I feel like uh, it came together the last one, um, but one that happens right after the trial, um, where they're like you... asking, like, how do we know that that's the that's the truth that actually happened and they're like well we're we're talking about lady love dies and she clearly knows what's going on or something like that whether that's sarcastic or not but that's interesting i feel like it was wrapped up by the end of it but yes most of them were confusing but at the same time it was kind of like that lynchian like keep you on your toes and not really know what's going on Right. I mean, the intro I, to the game was the same way. The, the the Steam description of this game is like, Paradise has been killed. Like, that's not what happened. Like, the the, the description of this game to get Steam you to buy the game does not explain the game at, at all. It doesn't even make an attempt to. It just says some fun words. That's not, it says Paradise Island, a world outside reality. There's been a murder that only quote unquote investigation freak Lady Love Dies can solve. I feel Gather like evidence you're and digging, interrogate. digging too far into, I'm talking about just the little, the little description. It's something like Paradise has been killed. Where, oh, wait, where would you even? Uh, well, okay. I'm I just read you the Steam description. Okay. Yeah. But that sounds jazzy. Yes. Excuse me. It sounds city poppy. Jazzy? No, jazzy is a good term for it. The 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 yeah. the not the writing in this game because the writing is very thorough, but the story flow, the um, the pacing in this game is very jazzy as they tend to jump all the fuck the way around very quickly including the the investigation aspects and things like that, because you could get the story in any way. I, I think I wish that those scenes, like, they feel surreal in content, but not in tone or writing, in that it's sort of surreal to you at the moment, in that it's pretty detached from what you're able to, like, parse. And I think I wish that they were a little more, like, beautiful and abstract and surreal and Lynchian and less, like, uh, what's the, a short hike, like, millennial texting, you know? Does that make sense? I think that would have fit the like. It would have made it more clear that you're not really supposed to understand yet. Yeah, I feel like I don't I don't dislike the intro or I don't in, 
dislike those segments because eventually it all comes around when you think back of it. I don't know if yeah. I necessarily need to replay this game, but yeah. that'll probably come out in my final thoughts. So, are we ready to move segue. on? Yes, who's first? Not me. I've been quiet for a while, so I'll go. Um, it's been a while since I played this. I played a bit of the beginning to refresh my memory, but I played this very close to launch back in 2020. I did the ultimate passive-aggressive friend move of giving Craig a gift card for the Nintendo Switch with this game's name written on it. Yep. As a first little shove towards making this podcast happen, because I was curious to discuss this with with other people. Um... I am beginning to really get into visual novels, so this is kind of an interesting... This is not a visual novel, but it's visual novel adjacent. Yeah. And I wonder if it'll kind of ruin visual novels for me because I think it's doing some things that are a little more fun and outside the box than visual novels. I think one of the biggest things that I like in games that makes me want to spend time there is vibes. I like feeling the vibes. I like enjoying the vibes. I like when the the actual mechanics of the game interact with the feeling of the world in a positive way that makes a lot of sense. It makes it very easy for me to stay and become immersed in a world. And this, I think this game does really well at that. I think the like, yeah, it's just like for being a relatively mid budget game, it's beautiful to look at and everything about it just kind of like makes sense to me for lack of a better, like it all clicks. Um, I love the music. I love the mystery. I love kind of the way that, I don't know if this is actually true, but the way that the ending felt a bit like I found the right answer and also it was my truth. It's a really weird convergence of those two things that kind of like, yeah, I, I don't I don't know. It, it really wrapped itself up nicely and was a really cool game that I loved spending time with. And I'm thankful you guys played it to discuss with me today. Absolutely. Glad to. Awesome. Well, I'll dive right off that. Yeah. So as Nate mentioned, he did give it to me as a gift. And I actually played this in two separate kind of goats and would not really recommend that. Um, <laughs> so I played it originally back in December and January of December 2020 going to January 2021. And it didn't fully hit with me with regards to diving into the detective aspects of it and the actual story. I think there's so much that was um, kind of intentionally obscure, but then also just being thrown in the deep end of the lure that I was just like, I'm not in a space to fully take all of this in. And I feel like you need to just kind of let it wash over you and then come up to speed with it as you um, start to kind of paddle through it. That said, coming back to it and having this podcast be kind of the space of like, hey, let's actually finish it, gave me a different appreciation for the game. And visual novels, I've said a couple times throughout our, our conversation here, not typically a genre that I've explored too much. I've played a little bit here and there, but this might be like the first adjacent visual novel game that I've actually completed. And going through and doing the detective murder mystery uh, kind of activity was definitely exciting. But I think it was a lot of the little things that brought it together for me, which was like the absurdity of the characters, the world building um, of this kind of constant sequence of, you know, moving forward, but then also these people that are spending 
hundreds, thousands of years together and like how that might disrupt relationships. And those are some of the places that I started to key into and be like, all right, I'm curious, like what happened here? Like, how are you navigating this space? And then combining that with the music and some of the other pieces that Nate had on, uh, started to bring the package together until the point of like, oh, I think I understand what's happening here. And then it was almost all downhill from there of like, let's race to the finish. I was like, all right, I think I got it. Like, I want to put this together. I want to see the trial through and actually see if the decisions and the deductions and those types of things that I've been making are going to pay off. And getting that in the end, along with some extra clarification, was actually uh, really enjoyable. So, Nate, I appreciate you pushing me into the deep end and making me give this a shot because um, it's definitely something that I did enjoy playing by the time I reached the conclusion. I love that you Might did. Might be a little too long, though. Yeah. That, that would be like the one thing. It's like, I think it might have been just a little too long. And that's where I'll jump in. I am also happy that uh, you guys decided on us playing this game. I'm very glad that I found out about this game, that I had the opportunity to play this game. Um, there were some frustrating parts for me, mainly what Craig just said, the length of the game. I feel like it was too long. I was expecting something shorter out of this. And I ended yeah. up with, and this isn't accurate, but Steam says 22 hours. I think it was around 17 hours that I got. I believe that was my final, but since then I've, I've, I've messed around with it a little bit. And there was a couple times where I left the game on, I feel like, so you can never trust Steam in those cases, but thing about this game to me and visual novel keeps coming up. I don't feel like this is a visual novel almost at all. Um, there are dialogue choices similar to visual novel, but almost more expanded on than most visual novels I've experienced as well as there's so much exploration in this game and it's not walking simulator style exploration either. It's, it's, um, platformer exploration there are some places that you can get in this game and have fun doing it especially once you get the double jump and things like that it makes it a lot more fun but not necessarily necessary um i really like the blending of genres that that came into creating this i feel like they took inspirations from from a lot of places and one of my favorite things of anything about this game is just the world design i feel like not just is this a fun place to explore and a beautiful place to explore, a chill place to, to walk along the beach and look for a vampire that I could never find. Um, it is also like the way that they wrap the story into the way the world looks. Um, it just, it comes together in such a nice package, never mind adding on this exceptional soundtrack that introduces me to genres of music I didn't know existed. And I'm really like pumped about listening to over and over again. Um, the characters are like exceptional. The dialogue is so great in this game. Even characters you don't like, I wanted to go through the dialogue because it was believable dialogue. And that is something that I don't come across a lot in video games, never mind text video games, but like just having that little bit of excellent voice acting injected enough personality into these two dimensional characters. Um, there's so much about this game I like, but there is just enough of, 
I don't even know what it is. There's just enough of frustration that keeps it from being like this, this perfect experience to me. It's just like, it was a little bit too long. They had a little bit too much collectibles. They had just, they couldn't like reel it back in just enough to make it this like masterpiece. And I'm very excited for whatever Kaizen Gameworks is going to do next. Super happy I played it, but it's not like as excited I am about it. And I, I'll, I'll continue to say people should play it. It's a great game, but it's not like one of those games. It's like, I'm going to remember this forever. It's one of the greatest games of all time. It's more of those, one of those, like, this was an awesome experience and such a great breakthrough game by a new developer. Um, very exciting, but, um, I think I would have to give this game a perfect 25 out of 30. <laughs> Cause that's, that's where I feel like the syndicate is going. Very nice. Um, but yeah, that's all I had to say about it. So I believe that brings us to the end. Thank you all for hanging out with us for this probably around two hour podcast. Had a lot of fun talking to you, Craig and Nate about Paradise Killer. Thank you so much for playing this game and talking with me about it. Thank you all for listening. Please take a look at the show notes. Um, if anything, if you're going to check out anything, I recommend you check out the developer Kaizen Gameworks YouTube, where they interview the music creator. They have a lot of other streams talking about the game up there. There's a few other links in there, some podcasts, Gamers with Glasses, uh, X, I don't remember the name of the other podcast, XGM Radio or something like that. We don't XGM know what they're up Radio. to next, right? They're up to something. So. Um, okay. By the way, they're very surprised by how successful this game was. They thought they would be trying to find other jobs at this point, but apparently they get to make another game. So very excited Hell for yeah, whatever dude. that's going to be. I love that. Absolutely. Very wholesome. Hopefully but thank you all. Anger. It's been a pleasure. Rip. Is there a sign-off for this podcast? Do we do anything? No. Do you want to... All my favorite podcasts have tried again and again to do a sign-off, and it fails every time. Do we want to come up with one on the fly and then try and fail to do it? No. no. Okay. Have a, well, then, have a good one. Thanks for listening. Yeah. See you all later. Thanks. Yep. Bye.